You're now locked into Zone 32. Max Mikado, Grant Durflinger, Jake Miller. Only on NeutralZoneInfractions.com. NCI Properties. Ladies and gentlemen, we're back at it again. The Zone 32 podcast presented to you by NeutralZone Infraction. Follow us on Twitter at NCI Properties and online at NeutralZoneInfraction.com. Max, Grant, and Jake, the gang is all here. We've got a special supersized episode this is the super wild card weekend edition of the show so we're going to hit the ground running because we have way more to cover than usual six games on the slate for saturday and sunday for the the viewing pleasure of an international audience so guys we're gonna get started right off the top 105 p.m kickoff cbs has the first game of the weekend Saturday afternoon, it's the Indianapolis Colts with the seventh seed on the AFC side, traveling to visit the number two Buffalo Bills. And guys, Grant, I'm going to start with you. We've got a Colts that has been hot and cold all season. They have the number three running back in the league and rookie Jonathan Taylor. But they're going up against a Buffalo Bills team that even in their final week with almost nothing to play for other than a virtually guaranteed two seed, I mean, they still came into the playoffs with a ton of momentum. Your thoughts on this first matchup of Super Wild Card Weekend? I mean, well, first of all, welcome to the chaos of the 2020 playoffs. Uh, but with the first game, I mean, you know, you're looking at the Bills and Colts. I mean, it's a pretty good matchup. It's going to be a defensive matchup. Um, yeah, you got Josh Allen, the new shiny toys that he has on offense. Uh, but, I mean, you know, it's it's a winnable game for both teams. So I don't think that you know everybody's going to be on the Bills train because just like they were with the Ravens last year, it's a, you know, everybody's on the hot of, you know, the hot guy right now. You know, what's one that, you know, he's he's slinging the rock around. Josh Allen's the dude. He's He should be MVP. You know, everybody's talking to him like he's been a 10-year all-pro. Um, but, you know, people get into that whole media hype and everything, but you still have to play on the field. And I think the Colts are a team that if the Bills are looking over, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Um, I'm going to take the Bills in this game just because they have been confident. They're at home. It's tough to play in Buffalo this time of year. Um, Colts are a dome team. Bills are also fourth in passing defense, rushing defense, and scoring. So, you know, the, the hot thing right now with the Colts is Jonathan Taylor's really come on, but, you know, Bills are also fourth in rushing defense. So, you know, Edmonds can fly sideline to sideline. He's a guy that's probably going to, you know, be on a spot situation a little bit more. Bills have a great secondary. You know, they fly around the field, play, make plays on the ball and those types of things. Um, but then the Colts have a great defense too. So, I mean, it really depends on, you know, De- DeForest Buckner. He's, you know, he's coming into a stride now. Um, you know, Darius Leonard is Darius Leonard. You know, they have a lot of key pieces that can cause a lot of problems for the Bills. Um, I was going to do an X factor for the Bills since I'm picking the Bills on this. But I think the X factor of this game is actually going to be Phillip Rivers because I think if the Colts had any other quarterback, even the top 15 quarterback, um, I think that they would probably win this game and they would be my pick. So it really depends on what Phillip Rivers is going to show up. I mean, we all know he doesn't have the arm strength. You know, he's formidable as far as the mental aspect of the game. Um, But this entire game is going to come down to him. It's not going to come down to Josh Allen. It's not going to come down to Stephon Diggs, the Bills defense, the Colts defense. It's going to come down to Phillip Rivers. Um, So he is, in my opinion, going to be the X factor of the game because he's going to determine which team wins. Um, But I am going to take the Bills. um, And I'm going to take the Bills 27-23. 
All right, so you heard it here first. Grant's got the Bills, 27-23, but the X factor is Indy quarterback Phillip Rivers. Jake, your rebuttal in this interesting AFC matchup, which, by the way, is not a rematch from this regular season, was originally supposed to be a preseason game, but was canceled. So, you know, for once, you caught me slipping. But, Jake, let's let's uh, hear from you. Man, I badly want to pick the Colts in this game because that's a tough matchup for Buffalo. Buffalo gives up a lot on the ground. They give up 4.6 yards per carry. And with Jonathan Taylor and that offensive line coming to town, you better buckle your chin straps because it's going to be a physical game. Indy's going to want to keep it close, and they're going to want to beat the hell out of Josh Allen and that Bills offense. I can't do it, though. I got to stick with – I got to pick the Bills. It's – dome teams don't travel well outside. They're they're like albino kids. You don't let them go play outside. You keep them indoors so they're safe. I give the Colts a shot, but, I mean, damn, like – no, I can't do it. They're on a hot streak. Stefan Diggs has been damn near unguardable this year, Josh, which helped Josh Allen get to the level he's at now. He's a borderline MVP if it wasn't for Mahomes and Rodgers. But all things considered, I'm going Buffalo 30-20. to 20. My X factor is the Bills' defense. If they don't contain Jonathan Taylor, that's a problem. And something of note for the Bills, they're actually, they have the fourth most takeaway, or they are tied for the third most takeaways in the league. And with Phillip Rivers turning the ball over more than a Baker makes turnovers, that's that's not a good recipe for the Colts offense. So all things considered, give me Buffalo 30-20. to 20. And now we're cooking. So we're going to go from upstate New York, guys. Grant, you're up next. We're going to travel to the Pacific Northwest for the third-seeded Seattle Seahawks in NFC West action. We'll take on the L.A. Rams with a sixth seed at 4.40 p.m. Eastern on Fox. This is round three of their divisional series this year, one of two divisional rematches in this round. Now, Grant, we've seen a lot of inconsistency in the Seattle Seahawks this season. Uh, Russell Wilson at one point, uh, the front runner for the MVP candidate. Uh, now, you know, he's taking a backseat to Aaron Rodgers, argue. You've got the Rams, on the other hand. John Walford potentially starting his second game in a row if Jared Goff can't go. Coach Sean McVay has been noncommittal. Uh, Jake and I were talking about that before the broadcast. Uh, Grant, your thoughts on this NFC West game? Uh, Mr. Unlimited. <laughs> No, I think, man, it's. I think the. I don't normally say this, and I don't. And I'm an any given Sunday type dude, but I think the Rams get absolutely smoked. Um, Rams don't really have a lot going on for them right now, and especially if Wolford starts, then you know, I mean, it's hard to game plan for a guy you don't really have much film on. Yeah, I get that, but the Seahawks are one of those teams that are in the NFL that are like completely different when they get to the postseason. So you know, you might see something from them the last couple of games of the season and be like man, this team's limping in the playoffs. You know, they got shot in the Achilles. But at the end of the day, I mean, they're one of those teams that get in. Russell Wilson is, you know, he's one of the rattiest quarterbacks. And when I call quarterbacks ratty, I mean, Mahomes is a ratty quarterback. Russell Wilson's a ratty quarterback. Tom Brady's a ratty quarterback. Those guys that will just close their eyes and throw the ball up in the middle of the field, everything that coaches tell you not to do, and somehow there's somebody just waiting right there for it and no defender around. Like, that's ratty stuff. Russell Wilson pulls those things out of his ass, especially in playoff time. So, you know, you got the weapons they have on offense, Pete Carroll's experience in that side of everything. Russell Wilson, he's, you know, one of the better playoff quarterbacks in the game right now. Um, I think that they're one of those teams that they come in, they're like, okay, now it's go time. 
Um, not a big Seahawks guy, but I am going to take the Seahawks. Rams, really only thing they have going for them is Aaron Donald. You know, Cam Akers came out with some sparks, but he's been so limited on injuries, you know, things like that. Um, you know, they're not utilizing much of their passing game because they really can't get to it um, right now. Seahawks defense isn't nearly a shadow of the Legion of Boom years, but you still have guys like Bobby Wagner. Um, you know, you have Jamal Adams, who somehow gets a sack every single game from the, from a secondary position. But um, I think they have enough leaders, enough kind of high caliber, all, all pro type players that and they're at home Man, Seahawks are a different breed when they're at home in the playoffs, too. Um, I'm going to take the Seahawks. I'm going to take the Seahawks 31 to 21. All right, and then again, to clarify, Grant, just for accountability, your X factor for this one is going to be quarterback Russell Wilson? Actually, my X factor for this game is going to be DK Metcalf because he's kind of disappeared a little bit after that huge, strong start. Everybody's been, man, this guy's incredible. How did he fall so far? You know, he's T.O., he's this and that. Well, T.O. never disappeared. So um, – we got to see a little bit more out of him. Tyler Lockett's also disappeared the past few weeks as well. But DK is going to be my guy because it's cold. It's Washington. Um, you're going to need that big physical guy getting open, man in that press coverage with Jalen Ramsey. They're probably going to put Jalen on him again. There's a whole thing right there where Jalen has shut him down two times this year. So DK Metcalf is that type of dude with that competitive advantage. Now it's playoff time. People are talking. I can see him kind of taking it personal. MJ. Um, and then, you know, I, I think so. I'm going to take him as my X factor. I'm going to go ahead and throw an extra little tidbit in there. He's going to finish with six catches for 111 yards and a tutty. No, see, I'm not going to hold you to that. You can hold yourself to that. So uh, that's, uh, that's all you, bro. Um, all right. So Jake, I'm going to set you up with this. Now we had already talked before about John Walford and quite honestly, although Jared Goff will probably be back, I'm going to keep an eye on him because the Wake Forest product, I mean, he debuted with something like 300 yards of total offense. And funny little tidbit, that graphic during the game showed that uh, Walford was the first Rams quarterback since Trent Green to rush for over 47 yards in his debut as a Ram. And we're talking the St. Louis days back in the But Jake, looking at this game out west, yeah, not necessarily your neck of the woods. We're talking several hours up north. Um, th- this is uh, the, the the divisional matchups. The Roger, rather, the divisional rivalries are always a little more heated. Do you think the Rams have a shot in this game? Um, just keeping in mind the history between the two. Hell yeah! What are you talking about? Historically, you can go back to their division series. The Rams have always given them problems. Interestingly enough, usually. It's the Seahawks who will beat them in L.A. and the Rams will come up north and put and beat the brakes off them. Aaron Donald will come off with like three or four sacks and Russell Wilson will look pedestrian as pedestrian can be. I give him a shot. It's tough if you're going to have another quarterback in there because if you're able to run your offense conventionally, you still have your chance. But the key is defense needs to come in and, and punch Russell Wilson and that offense in the mouth. That being said, I'm taking the Seahawks. Why am I taking the Seahawks? Well, it's real simple. Since they traded for Carlos Dunlap, they've played much better than they did in the beginning of the year. Early, they were they were a feast for every single passing attack in the league. If you had a receiver in fantasy going, you want to start him against Seattle because they let ev- everything go. But now, they're playing much better. They're closer to middle of the pack in terms of yards per play. They have the, they've given up the fifth fewest rushing yards in the league. They average, listen, they only give up, they give up less than four yards per carry on defense. So, I mean, 
The Rams defense is obviously better, but I give Seattle the nod too. So if I'm going to pick that game, I'm going Seattle 20 to 17. The X factor is Aaron Donald, because if he goes off, I mean, it's an easy answer, but I mean, it's Aaron Donald. If he goes off, that could change things. Uh, Russell Wilson doesn't like to be put on his back like that. So yes, give me Seattle 20 to 17, because I don't trust John Wolford. And neither do I 110% agree. Now, from one team whose quarterback situation we don't trust at the moment to another. We're going to head back east by airmail to FedEx Field in Landover, Maryland, where somehow the last standing in a season of attrition, the Washington football team at 7-9 uh, and nine are the NFC East division champions somehow. And they play host to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers with the fifth seed on a special edition of Saturday Night Football on NBC, 8.15 p.m. Eastern kickoff. It is Tom Brady making his playoff debut in a non-Patriots uniform in an unfamiliar conference against probably the bottom of the barrel in this playoff field, with all due respect to Chicago. Uh, Grant, going back to you, what do you think we are going to see in this? Uh, I mean, hey, look, I'm going to say it we're, we're straight up. We're fully expecting all three of us across the board. Tampa's probably going to dominate. But will Washington put up a fight? I think so. Anytime that you have a defense with a young, athletic, formidable front seven, I think you can cause problems. I mean, their secondary is not very, you know, strength, I guess I should say. But, I mean, anytime that you have a front seven that can cause problems, because, I mean, Bucks aren't going to run the ball. Um, they had their moments this year, but they're kind of a team that will panic fast and abandon the run even faster than Greg Roman. Um, but I think that, you know, the Buc- Buccaneers are going to win the game. It's, I mean, it's, it's, I would be completely shocked if they didn't. You know, I'm going to pick the Buccaneers. But they've been such a case of you don't know what you're getting, who you're getting. Um, Tom Brady's been playing pretty well lately, but I've seen games where he's completely disappeared. Um, You know, the Packers completely dismantled them. Um, But, you know, are the warm weather teams, you know, it's one of those things, kind of like with the dome teams, you know, you're coming up to, you know, Washington, D.C. It's pretty cold up here. You know, is he, Tom Brady's used to it, but are a lot of the other guys, you know, in the NFL level. Um, it's a different time of the year. I look at different factors like that. Yeah, they might not matter, but whatever. It's still something to go into the consideration for it. But, I mean, I don't think Alex Smith is going to be leading anybody anywhere. Um, it's a cool story, you know, awesome guy. But I think the Buccaneers are going to win that game. I'm going to go ahead and take them. Um, I would say 24 to 17. Uh, my X factor for that for this game is actually going to be uh, Levante David because uh, if he can step in and um, if he can slow down Antonio Gibson, and I mean the Washington football team primarily goes through their run game. I mean, Logan Thomas is going to be a problem, but you have Levante David, you have Devin White, two really athletic, physical middle linebackers that – both of them can essentially cover. So, you know, I think that's going to be primarily neutralized, um, especially with the way that Antoine Winfield's been playing, you know, the rookie. Um, he's been playing really well on the second on the secondary, but he actually comes up in the box a lot too. So, you know, I think that they're going to neutralize Logan Thomas. You know, you always have the Terry McLaurin, um, you know, fear factor, but I don't think that Alex Smith really has the juice to, you know, to kind of acclimate to Terry McLaurin's strengths. So, you know, 
everybody hates on Haskins for whatever, you know, all the stuff that he's been done and this and that. He played terrible, but he actually had, you know, the capacity, the arm strength, those types of things to force the ball in places. Alex Smith doesn't have that. Um, so I think, you know, I think the Bucs are going to win. Um, but, and I think the X factor is definitely going to be the middle linebacker between Devin White and uh, Levante David controlling the run game. All right. Now, Jake, moving on to you. Tell me your thoughts on this game and why, let's face it, the Bucs are going to win. That's a simple reason why they're going to win. Washington is a run-first team. They're going up against the stingiest run defense. And the Bucs give up the fewest yards per carry in the league. They've given up the fewest rushing touchdowns in the league. They've given up the fewest rushing yards total in the league. I don't give them a shot in hell, with all due respect. And I usually buy into a warm-weather team going up into frigid, cold weather doesn't do particularly well. But that being said, Washington doesn't have the dogs to stop Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown. If Mike Evans was there, it'd be even worse, but they don't got the dogs for that. Maybe can slow down Rojo, but they ain't going to slow down the other two. That's a problem. The The defensive line could change some things. They could make me look stupid and calling all of us look stupid and picking the Bucks to win this. But, I mean, I don't see it. If they had Deshaun Watson or someone on quarterback, I would definitely see it. I would actually have – I would change my pick if they had a better quarterback because then they would be a team to be reckoned with. Alex Smith, nice dude, comeback player of the year in my opinion, but I, I, I can't do it. Not after watching the debacle that was last week against the Philadelphia Eagles and how awful that Washington offense looked. I can't do it. Can't do it. Won't do it. How did I know that you were going to do the Mike Singletary? That, that was just that, – that, that, was, that was too easy. That was too easy. Uh, Jake, come back to me real quick. Your, uh, your score prediction and your X factor for this game. Give me 30-3. to three. The X factor, I'm just going to put it out there, Antonio Brown. He went off, was it last week? Or, yeah, it was last week against Atlanta. He goes off for 11 catches for a buck 39 and two touchdowns. Looking like that dude that was wrecking the league in Pittsburgh. So I think he's going to be the leading receiver for the Bucks again. And they're going to destroy the name redacted. Now, the, in, in fairness to A.B., he got all those targets because Tom Brady was a good teammate and knew that uh, he had a bonus coming up if he met certain incentives. So that aside, you still got to make the catches and the plays. Now, gentlemen, moving on to what we consider to be the main event, because let's face it, no game before this, no game after this really matters. And the network coverage shows it. 1.05 p.m. Eastern on Sunday, January 10th. Our Baltimore Ravens as the fifth seed travel to face the fourth-seeded Tennessee Titans winners of the AFC South in a regular season rematch. And I would say this is arguably round three because this all started back last January in the divisional round when the Titans beat the breaks off the Ravens, a massive upset of the top-seeded Baltimore Ravens last year. Now, guys, before we get into this, I need to emphasize the unprecedented coverage this game will be receiving on Super Wildcard Weekend. Not only will this game be simulcast nationally on two biggest networks available to the NFL, ESPN and ABC, but also there will be additional coverage on ESPN2, ESPN+, ESPN Deportes, and Freeform. Formerly ABC Family, formerly Fox Family, formerly I don't know. But that last one doesn't count because they're doing pop culture coverage with stuff unrelated to football. So this is basically for all the the uh, wives, girlfriends, and significant others who really don't care about football. That said, gentlemen, Grant, I'll start with you. We already covered a lot of ground with this game last pod. 
but I still want you to break this game down. What's going to happen Sunday when our boys uh, are out for blood? Well, they're going to climb in the ring. There's going to be an announcer that throws two beers up onto the to the ring to them. They're going to smack the beers together, and they're going to throw up middle fingers to everybody, especially Lamar's going to throw them up. They're going to throw them up to Bart Scott. They're going to throw them up to all these analysts that got something to say about Lamar and criticizing him on levels they don't criticize any other quarterbacks, even the young quarterbacks. They have this infatuation with hating one of the most humble, electric human beings in the NFL today. That's their problem. So I think Baltimore is going to take this game very personal, which they don't normally do. They're going to keep the emotions in check. I think Harbaugh is very good at kind of controlling that notion, but also kind of nudge, nudge that bulletin board material. You remember they said that? Remember they did this? You know, I think that the Titans are that team that they're not used to success. Yeah, they've had winning seasons and stuff, but where's the Super Bowls? They're not used to success. So when they get on a team that has had success, they act like little children that had just found a big candy bar at their Halloween house. So they don't really, you know, you st- jumping on somebody's logo. Yeah, it might not seem like a lot to other people, but that's disrespectful. If you've ever played the game and strapped up, one thing you take pride in is the people that are with you and the place that you play for. So that was childish. That made them look really stupid. And then when you look at Malcolm Butler, who's King Douche Nugget, is sitting there cussing out Harbaugh for him telling him to get off the logo. You know what I mean? Like, like what are you, dude? You're a, you're a player that had one moment. Like, you are a nobody. And then you got A.J. Brown barking at him and all that. But, you know, it's one of those things where, like, you got a brother. You know, you and your brother fight all the time. You guys argue. You do whatever. But the moment somebody else says something to your brother, you're knocking them out. So it's kind of that type of mindset where, you know, everybody bickers. But, man, they just yelled at dad. You know, these guys, these kids just yell at dad. We're not going to let that fly. So, I mean, I think that the I think my score prediction, of course, I'm taking the Ravens. Um, I think they go down there, handle business. I'm taking them 31 to 20. I think it's a two score game. I think they have a lot to prove and they are going to prove it. Um, Titans defense is not impressive whatsoever. Um, they have some playmakers, I guess, quote unquote, if you want to call them that on the back end. But I think this is a game where my X factor I mean, you might be laughing, but he's not kidding. And Mr. Dobbins is going to have a day. He's going to continue what he did last week. He's got confidence. I think we get up early, um, and I think that it's going to force hand to Tannehill, and that's what we're going to want to do is we want to get Derrick Henry out of the game early. Like I mentioned the other day, he had 25 carries for, what, 96 yards and no touchdowns at the end of regulation that last game. But all you hear about is 133 yards and a touchdown because of – three carries for 36 yards in overtime and a touchdown. So, and that was without Brandon Williams and Calais Campbell. So, you know, everybody, I get it, dude. The guy is a physical looking freak, but he's not Zeus. So like, I don't get why people get so scared of him. He's beatable. People have shut him down. Inferior teams have shut him down. So like, yeah, he's got his games. He'll rush for 230, but he's got his games. He'll rush for 70. So he's not invincible, and people act like he is. And I think that with Calais Campbell and Brandon Williams back, they were brought here to do that. And the Monstars are not going to let Jordan dunk from half court in this game. I 110% agree. And before I go into a diatribe about that stupid crew cut wearing COVID spreading clown, Mike Vrabel, thinking he's going to strap on a pair of shoulder pads and go tackle somebody when John Harbaugh, I know would rock his shit if they ever had to step to each other at midfield. Before I uh, I digress into that, let me put on my professional hat. Jake, 
your thoughts on this uh, gentlemanly uh, exhibition that we're going to be seeing at 1 p.m. Eastern this Sunday. This is the most competitive game of the weekend, without a doubt. Nothing, None of these games, given everything that's transpired within the past couple of weeks, this this is it. This is this is objectively speaking the main event of the week for any and all football. Obviously, this is a Ravens podcast that dabbles into a bit of NFL news and NFL topics. But of course, you know damn well I'm picking the more Ravens, I'm drinking that purple Kool Aid. It's all good. We're gonna find out if those moves that they made this offseason, getting Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, Malik Harrison, Patrick Queen, Justin Matabike. We're going to find out if those moves pan out this week. They got them because they got punked on the ground last year by Derrick Henry of the Tennessee Titans. Yeah, You have to stop up them on the ground. You have to set the tone. You have to punch them in the mouth. And you have to do what you do, which is be more physical than them. Run the ball better. Work the play-action passing game. But mostly, run the damn ball. It's plain and simple. They give up 4.5 yards per carry. The Ravens give up a lot, too, on the ground. But that being said... There is no reason why you can't have your way with them on the ground. There's no Jarrell Casey there to go help Jeffrey Simmons. Their front seven can't get pressure on the quarterback consistently. All things considered, give me Baltimore 34 to 10. Yes, I'm going there. X Factor, you ask? Do you know how much I would love to see a complete and utter embarrassment? Like, I don't hate the Titans. I just hate how they act. And I hate how they are being right now in this whole thing. And their fans, man, like, you know, everybody's always like, man, you know, you play a team that week and you're like, man, their fans kind of, you know, their fans are annoying. Bro, these motherfuckers, man, <laughs> they are oh, so, no, I, they're pushing I'm Chiefs fans. Nice. They are pushing I, I, Chiefs, Chiefs fans to hold the candle, but at least Chiefs fans know the game of football and can like give credit when it's due, even though, you know, we all know how Chiefs fans can be, especially when you're playing against them. But these Titans fans, man, I have some friends that are Titans fans, and they don't act like a lot of these Titans fans I see on Twitter. And I'm like, dude, man, these people are nuts, especially Hammerhead that was talking shit the other day. This is the postseason. This is where everything gets personal. It's win or go home. You know what? So I say, you know, as much as everyone wants to run with, oh, remember the Titans, I want them to be remembered for the beatdown that they're going to get on Sunday and the embarrassment that they're going to feel because they thought that they could step to our team after all that we've been through when they're the ones who are responsible for half the season's COVID outbreak. And they're responsible for all the schedules being shifted. They're responsible for half of the, the, the issues that the league has seen in general, just that ripple effect. So no, they are our Rudy Gobert. They need to get shut down and shut up. Now, Jake, I almost forgot your X factor for this game before I went on my rant. Give me the big fellas, the Monstars, Calais Campbell, Derek Wolf, Brandon Williams. Also one more, Deshaun Elliott. I want to see Derek Henry get put on his back. Indeed. I hope Joker Joker lays him out. I get, if I'm having a bad day, I go right to like YouTube and I'm like, Deshaun Elliott blessing Derek Henry. Oh, well, hello there, sir. Man, that, I've never seen somebody hit that dude like that. He crumbled like a jingle block that the hurricane went through. I was like, all right, young buck. Because, I mean, Deshaun Hill is not a big dude. He might be 210, and that's being generous. And he brought the lumber. And it wasn't like a Derrick Henry didn't see him coming. He was squared up. And I don't think he thought Deshaun Elliott was bringing that blow. But you know what? The Joker, baby. The Joker. This is my hope this weekend, man. I'm trying to see him get put on his back the way Steve Atwater put Christian Okoye on his back. That's what I want to see. 
Steve Atwater is one of my all-time favorite safeties, too. All, all due respect, guys, to King Henry. I get it. He's the league-leading rusher. but I, And I will give him his rose. But at the same time, heavy is the head that wears the crown. Kings are destined to fall. At some point, he's going to hit that brick wall. And if that brick wall happens to be Joker, then so be it. I don't care. But either way, we're going to see something on Sunday. And I practically guarantee that even if this game doesn't go the way that we intend and this next podcast ends up, you know, having us, you know, crying and whining and all that ends up being a little more depressing than we expect. Look, bottom line, there's going to be some measure of revenge because it is not going to be the blowout the Titans fans think it will be. That that that's my two cents. If we could tackle, they got they were losing last game if we could tackle. I will say that and let's go back to this real quick. We were talking about how the team has been rejuvenated ever since the COVID outbreak and the way that they played that Steelers game with such heart despite pretty much starting a practice squad on offense. The the, the way that they played that game and how they played since I don't think tackling will be as much of an issue, but it is something that we're going to have to keep an eye out for because the complacency factor can set in. As much as the narrative is in our favor and the momentum is in our favor, I mean, anything can happen. So we shall see. Not to mention Tennessee is a big physical, the big physical skill. Play. We want to, we want them to get to the point to pass. I, I, we, we don't, because honestly, I still don't trust Ryan Tannehill. I don't care about his career resurgence. He is still Ryan Tannehill. Look how they beat us last year. They had the, I mean, Jake and I talked about it the other day, but look at all these trick plays out. I mean, that's all, that's what Belichick did to us too when Vrabel was on on his staff. I mean, like that that's, you know, Ravens for some reason, like I said before, they always are that team that teams can pull shit out of their ass like that and it works. I don't know why, but, you know, that, that gives me hope because they basically had to empty their playbook just to beat us, and that was their Super Bowl. So my theory with that is if a team has to use trick plays to beat a good team and can't use fundamental football, that's a sign that they that the scheme is too complex for them to be able to figure out with straightforward, you know, traditional running and passing. So that that's what that is. And again, I can't I can't say too much because I love it when we pull out the trick plays, but we do it with such little frequency. But our trick plays are Sam Cook throwing darts. <laughs> Sam Cook still uh, among the league leaders in passer rating among active players for the record. Pro Bowler Sam, former Pro Bowler Sam, Sam Cook. He, he should be a quarterback Pro Bowl alternate at this point. Um, Grant, I'm going to come back to you because with this next game, honestly, not a whole lot of fanfare um, for a game that actually might be closer than we expect on paper. Uh, 4.40 p.m. Eastern. Uh, we switched gears to uh, CBS and for the first time ever, Nickelodeon simulcast game. The Chicago Bears with the seventh seed travel to face the New Orleans Saints, the number two seed in the NFC, in a rematch of week eight back in November that New Orleans won in overtime 26-23. It was uh, Nick Foles' arguably best performance or second best performance of the season under center for Chicago. Uh, in that particular game, Alvin Kamara took over towards the end. Uh, the two teams tied three times throughout the course of that game in regulation. Um, Grant, I'm going to start with you. Mitch Trubisky is under center for Matt Nagy and company. How do you think this game is going to unfold down in New Orleans? You ready? My upset of the weekend is the Bears of the Saints. Why? Are you serious? I'm dead serious. I'm dead serious. I'm taking it. I will stand beside it. Look, 
Saints are playing at home. They back a lot on the home field advantage. They don't have that right now. They don't have the crowd behind them. They don't have those things for a young quarterback's kind of mentality towards hearing the game, nerves, those types of things. Mitchell Trubisky not being a Carolina homer here because I'm not playing like the Mitchell Trubisky that we're used to seeing. He's been playing pretty well since he came back from his benching. Um, I will always take – I mean, not saying the Saints defense is bad – but there's a difference between a good defense and a playmaking. Saints aren't really a playmaking defense. They're a great defense. They defend the run. They defend the pass. They'll have a good secondary, but they don't get a lot of takeaways. Bears get a ton of takeaways. They have a formidable front seven, speed at the linebacker positions. They can neutralize Alvin Kamara with Roquan Smith. Um, Eddie Jackson on the back end makes a lot of plays for them. Drew Brees isn't the Drew Brees we're used to. Depending what happens with Michael Thomas, Michael Thomas, you know, he's been God knows what this year. Um, I think there's a lot of question marks. And I think that the Saints are one of those teams that, yeah, they could beat any team, but they could also lose to any team. And they're one of my only teams in this playoff that I think are like that. And, yeah, the Bears backed in really slow to the playoffs. But as far as my upset of the weekend, I've got the Bears winning 23-21 for the Saints chance to drive on a last-minute drive to kick a game-winning field goal. And I think a big turnover, a turnover on downs happens to where that does not happen, and the Bears sneak one away in New Orleans. All right, and Grant, what's your X factor going to be for this game? Mitchell motherfucking Trubisky. <laughs> he, can, he can move out of the pocket. He can move a pocket. He's got decent athleticism. He can run. I mean, shoot, if Wolford's running for 60 yards, Trubisky's a hell of a lot more athletic than him. Um, David Montgomery's been balling out, which has taken a lot of pressure off of him. So I think that has to, I think both of those kind of coincide with each other. David Montgomery's kind of resurgence coming in. Um, plus, we got the future Raven that's in this game with Allen Robinson, and he's a bully, man. Marshawn Lattimore is a Pro Bowl guy, he's a great corner. But he doesn't do well with big physical receivers that'll take your lunch money. And that's the type of guy Allen Robinson is. But my X factor is going to be Mitch Trubisky because he's going to be at the he's going to have to take care of the football. He's going to have to make smart chunk plays. Um, and he's going to have to lead his team. I mean, not sure if he can or not, but according to my prediction, he's got a 23-21 advantage. All right. Now, Jake, your rebuttal with the least type game of this weekend. I feel the exact opposite of my man right here. I love the bold pick. I fucking love it. But I feel the exact opposite. I think this is the biggest slaughter of the weekend in favor of the Saints. I don't see it. I don't, res- I don't respect Mitchell Trubisky. One, booty is much better than titties. Just keeping it real. Number two, he's been playing some bum-ass defenses since he came back from the bye. The Packers made him look bad both times they played. He played all right against the Vikings. Vikings are a defense. Played pretty all right against the Lions in a loss. Bad defense. Played well against the Jaguars. Bad defense. Played well against the Texans. Bad defense. So he's he's kind of had to get the old playoff man, was it Nick Foles off the bench, that maybe he got a shot. But that being said, I don't see it. I respect the mobility, but that Saints defense is damn good. Marcus Williams is a good safety. Lattimore is a good corner. He's kind to me, he's kind of like, if you remember from Pokemon Charizard, he only shows he only shows up when he actually feels challenged. If he doesn't feel challenged, he lets whatever bum receiver go off against him. So if it's like Anthony Miller or Darnell Mooney, they'll get touchdowns against Lattimore. But Robinson will be sitting there with kind of chomping at the bit to go after one of the premier receivers in the league. So I'm taking the Saints. I'm taking them 30 to 9. 
My X Factor, Cameron Jordan wreaking havoc on Trubisky and getting him on his back. The whole thing with Trubisky not playing defenses the past couple weeks. Does Lamar get a pass? That's fair. That's I mean, that's fair. I love Lamar. I, I think Lamar's next level. I'm not by any means comparing the two, but I'm saying if we are going to condemn one, we got to condemn the other. You're not wrong because the other way you have to look at it, and I will defend this point up and down, guys. You can't pick who you play. So you're expected to show up and play, period. You still have to play the game. So that is true. If I was betting Vegas, though, I'm taking New Orleans. But I'm trying to create some separation in our picks. And I feel for my UNC Tar Heel. <laughs> I got you. I got you. There, there's there's, there's one Tar Heel I watched from, from not the beginning of his career because I wasn't alive. But when he returned, my favorite athlete alive, Michael Jordan, the greatest player of all time in all the sports, in my humble estimation. But that's an off-season topic that we could maybe talk about in another sporting event. But all things considered. I became a Tar Heel football fan because of Julius Peppers. I watched him get three interceptions one game against Florida State from the defensive end position. How does that happen? I mean, he's a freak, so, you know. For me, the jury's still out on Trubisky. We're gonna find we're gonna find out, especially with him going ahead of Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes in the draft. We'll find out if he's if he's worth it, and if he's nah. better than what I think he is. He's a bottom ten, but I think that he has been playing pretty well. I mean, incomparable to you know how good he could play. But yeah, he's a viable fantasy stream against bad defenses. I like that. This is true. Hey, this is true. When I won my last fantasy championship, it was streaming Trubisky. I mean, it was between him and Rivers. I don't know how, but I pulled it off. Just saying. His problem is, though, is that he's not – I've watched him since he came into Carolina and because he backed up uh, Marquise Williams. And everybody talked about him. They're like, Mitchell Trubisky, prayed all man, this and that. He was like the guy. And, he, and, and, and I mean, he was good, but he left early. If he would have stayed one more year to develop a little bit more – he wouldn't be the guy he is today because he didn't take the chance or give himself the chance to really develop a lot of his confidence in like football acumen. And you can tell in games he gets lost quick. And it's not that he gets like rattled. He like doesn't lose focus necessarily, but I don't really know how to explain it. You can just tell that like if something goes a certain way, he's like panics. And like that's terrible for a quarterback. If you have a quarterback that panics ever, you're asking for problems, period. And, I mean, you can look at quarterbacks all through history that have had the tools through the roof, but if they lack that aspect of it, they're not – I mean, it's, it's useless. It's useless because they could, that's who makes a mistake in the most unopportune time. You know, you're driving on the last drive of the game and they throw a pick because they're, they're in their head because they got sacked the last play or I need to force something or those are the type of guys that panic and – and I feel like he's the type of guy that panics because he didn't let himself develop enough. Well, Grant, I'm glad you said turnovers because you gave me a great segue into our final game of the weekend. <laughs> a game that we are kind of looking forward to in a morbid kind of way. Uh, the final game of, of Super Wildcard Weekend, 8.15 p.m. Eastern on Sunday Night Football on NBC the six-seeded Cleveland Browns in their first playoff seed since the 2002 season. What better matchup for them than to travel to face their Week 17 opponents, the Pittsburgh Steelers with the three-seed, the AFC North champions, in a divisional rematch? Now, I say turnovers because Big Ben is back on Sunday under center, but even if it weren't him, 
if it were Mason Rudolph or Duck Hodges, boy, that Browns defense would probably feast and still find a way to lose. Now, a quick note, quick sidebar before we get into the analysis. Uh, news this week broke of a COVID outbreak within the Cleveland Browns organization. Uh, head coach and main offensive play caller Kevin Stefanski will miss his playoff debut. Uh, he will be forced to quarantine for the minimum mandatory 10 days. So if they were to advance to the next round would be his only opportunity to coach. Otherwise, they had not practiced until uh, Friday afternoon, their first practice in uh, uh, the entire week leading up to this game. And on the flip side, Roethlisberger is still not 100%. And on top of that, Juju Smith-Schuster gave Cleveland bulletin board material uh, using uh, what fans recognize as an old Tomlin-ism, uh, saying that he just sees a bunch of gray, nameless faces and that the Browns are still the Browns. I get it. You shouldn't have said it anyway. Maybe save it for the TikTok after. Grant, I'll start with you. Uh, I don't even know what to predict for this game. How is this going to turn out? Trash. <laughs> Absolute trash. No, I mean, we're just going to sit back and just watch it all burn. <laughs> like This is, uh, I mean, you know, I think the Steelers, I just hate to say it because of their record, but man, they are a bad football team right now. They are, I mean, they were completely... I just think that they don't have a true identity. When you play in January and February, zero running game. I mean, I would be interested. I'm probably going to be completely just being a smart ass, but I would be surprised. I haven't looked if they average 50 to 60 rushing yards a game. And like, they're just, they, they don't have it. You know, they're missing key pieces on their defense. Um, their line is not that impressive. I mean, like we mentioned earlier, we watched, the Baltimore Ravens practice squad, I mean, maybe that's why Joe Douglas pulls them all to the Jets. I don't know. But they came in and they fought with Pittsburgh, and they took them to the wire. Outside of a Tyus Bowser, why are you taking out of the end zone interception that led to a pick six? Baltimore wins that game, and there were other opportunities where I had the chance to win that game. And you're talking about a fully loaded team versus a team that's coming in um, with guys that they signed that probably have opened the playbook and only gotten to chapter four. Not sure playbooks don't have chapters, but you know what I mean. Um, but I mean, the Browns are that team that you know they're kind of hungry. You know, we all laugh about them, we make fun of them, you know, but they are. I do give them the credit, is they are a hungry team. And part of me kind of feels like Pittsburgh is overlooking them just a little bit. I mean, Juju, man, that guy used to be kind of cool his first year, now he's just became this complete ass white, and it's for no reason, dude. Like everybody said. You know, A.B. made you, A.B. made you, and he ran his mouth. They had their words and left. Well, looking like, you know, two years later, A.B. was right. Um, the guy's not that impressive, and he doesn't do enough to do the bullshit that he does, and he draws a lot of negative attention and a lot of negative locker room attention that those types of things not seem like a big deal. People are like, oh, let him have fun. Like, okay, that's fine. You know, I'm all cool for people having fun, but at the same time, you know, there's this is a job. This is a business you have to do. Like. I'm gonna I'm gonna interject real quick, Grant, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to you. the The point I like to make is Earl Thomas and Ed Reed. Ed Reed got away with freelancing in Baltimore because he earned the right and the reputation with his play, his leadership. Earl Thomas, fantastic resume, fantastic talent. Of uh, I mean, like honestly, he would probably get Hall of Fame consideration if his career ended today, which it practically did. 
But the problem in Baltimore was that Earl did not earn the reputation here in this locker room, in this system to do the things that he did. And that's one of the many reasons why they parted ways. So Juju, same thing. I hate to say it. Talented kid. Uh, otherwise charming, nice, personable. If he were one of our guys, I would probably defend him. But when you are a young player with so little time on your resume and so few accomplishments to show for it, you can't run your mouth like that because then you just sound tired and annoying. Back to you, Grant. No, I mean, I agree with you. I feel that way. I feel like it's the point now, like where the TikTok shit, I mean, my nine-year-old does TikTok. Okay, cool. You got a lot of fans. It's your way to connect with people. But like to make it like a big part of your life when you're in your early 20s and you're a professional athlete is kind of weird to me. Like, like, cool, man. You can dance and kick your leg and swing your arm at the same time to a random ass song. Okay, awesome. Way to go. Proud of you, dude. Oh, you did it on a logo? That's cool, too. You know, like, like I don't get it. Like, I, I just don't understand the aspect of it. And like I said, man, you know, people defend, oh, let him have fun. Let him do this and that. Okay, yeah, dude, he can have all the fun he wants, but he's putting his team. And people say, you know, bulletin board material. That shit's real. Like, you, I mean, I've played sports my entire life. And, you know, you can go into a game and have a certain mindset. It could be before kickoff. And you could be sitting there like, oh, man, you know, I think we're going to win this game. We're going to win this game. Somebody comes up and says something that really pisses you off or like you take personal and you're like, hold up. And you completely flip a switch and it brings a different mantra to yourself. And that does change the aspect of how the team performs, because then you just motivated a team that didn't need motivation. That's a recipe for disaster. So they're sitting here. Juju's running his mouth again. If you don't think that got to them, I mean, they're all probably sitting there licking their chops now. And I guarantee you Steelers are probably were probably texting him like, dude, just shut the fuck up. Like I I would, you know, bet my salary that he doesn't come back to Pittsburgh next year because, you know, Pittsburgh has dealt with their issues with player concerns and stuff, just like, you know, teams or whatever. But I feel like they're not going to break the bank for somebody that's going to, you know, they develop wide receivers like, you know, Chick-fil-A develops chicken nuggets. You know what I'm saying? Like they, they don't have a problem letting a guy go. I mean, Deontay Johnson's their number one this year. So what's that tell you? Chase Claypool, they love the guy. If you really look at it theoretically, Juju might be their number three right now. As far as if you're looking at between this year to next year and, and so on and so on, he, he could not be a part of the plan and he doesn't have to be a part of the plan. So the fact that he's doing all that, he's just mixing himself with a bunch of shit that he's just causing those issues and Browns are going to come in and I'm picking the Browns. I'm taking the Browns. I'm taking the Browns to get their playoff win. It's going to be so sweet because we are going to see the look on the Steelers fans faces when the Browns march into Heinz field and win their first playoff game against those cocky motherfuckers. And it is going to be so glorious and it's going to happen. I'm telling you, it's going to happen. I'm probably going to be wrong. I might be wrong, but it's going to happen. If I say that, I save myself. But I'm taking them. I'm taking the Browns. I'm actually taking the Browns uh, 34-31. I think it's going to be a fairly high-scoring game because uh, neither team's defense has really been doing a whole lot right now. I mean, look at the game when the Ravens played the Browns. I mean, it was a complete shootout. So I, I'm taking them 34-31. Uh, my X factor for the game I'm going to have to throw one out the side. And I mean, I mean, it's going to be Rashad Higgins. I mean, as long as he's, you know, they're going to be honing in on Landry, probably going to match Hayden up with Landry. So Rashad Higgins is kind of like that number two guy, you know, they kind of shifted around, you know, Landry's playing the Odell role 
and Higgins is playing the Landry role. So, you know, he's going to have to step up because they're probably going to bracket Landry. They're not going to want him to get those short and intermediate routes because, you know, he is what he is. Um, Their run game is the problem. So the Browns run game is going to win them the football game, but I'm not picking them as the X factor because that's the easy way out. I'm taking Higgins because he does have a lot of electricity to his game and he does make big plays and big times. Um, He had some big catches against us. And, um, but I mean, we all know Nick Chubb. I mean, I beat it till it's in the ground, man. In my opinion, as an all around running back, I think Nick Chubb is a better running back than Derrick Henry. And I get crap for it all the time. I don't care. It's my opinion. But if you're telling me an all around running back in multiple facets of the game, give me the guy that can actually catch a football too. But, you know, Chubb is, is a beast. Kareem Hunt is a beast. Baker's going to have to play one of the positive Baker games. But, yeah, I'm taking uh, the Browns 34-31 and Higgins' factor. That is ballsy. And, yeah, I hate to say it. I think he might have sold me on Cleveland getting their first playoff win. I thought I would dread the day. But you know what? I think it would be even sweeter seeing all the terrible towels use a tissue. So, Jake, moving on to you. Your thoughts on this uh, AFC North Divisional matchup on Sunday Night Football? Interestingly enough, the last three opponents the Cleveland Browns have played in the playoffs have all been the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh. That's including this game. I want to pick the Browns. I'm not going to pick the Browns just because again, they're they're young. They're just coming into they're just coming into the playoff picture. They're to me, they're just kind of happy to be there with all the COVID stuff happening. Your play caller, who's brilliant this year in spearheading your run game and getting that the way it is being the third best in the league. I don't see it. I would love to I would love to see them do it. Actually, my hope is a body bag game, kind of like the Eagles and the Washington football team were they were the Redskins back then. So let's just say it. The body bag game from the 90s when you had like seven or eight injuries in that playoff game. So that would be my hope. I just don't see it. Mike, if Cleveland needs to keep everything in front of them, Pittsburgh, their identity is a dink and dunk offense. Ben doesn't throw the ball more than five yards down the field, really. Very rarely he'll take a shot down there because he didn't have the arm anymore, the strength or the accuracy. So Cle- Cleveland gets keeps everything in front of them and they run the damn ball, then they got a chance. But I think this is going to be – I actually do think it will be a close game because Pittsburgh likes to play down to bad teams. I don't think Cleveland's a bad team by any stretch of the imagination, but I think Pittsburgh will let be closer than it should be with the Browns being as COVID-riddled as they are. If they were all if all the things were equal, Cleveland would have a very good chance of winning this game. But I'm taking Pittsburgh 20 to 17. And my was it my X factor in this game? Baker Mayfield. Because Baker Mayfield can very easily prove me wrong if he goes off and plays like the Baker that he's been playing like as of recent memory. Because even against Baltimore, even again, even in games before then against Tennessee, sure they've been bad defenses, but like we talked about with old Trubisky with Lamar Jackson. Baker's playing much better than he did a year ago. So, I mean, you definitely give him a shot. Now, give him a shot to do it. He would be the factor that could turn the game for me. And then Nick Chubb getting over 200 yards rushing. All right. So, gentlemen, looking back at the picks, again, to recap, uh, we all agree, or rather you guys agree, because I'm not picking because i got to keep my stimmy money. Uh, we got the uh, in the Buffalo City uh, game, uh, we've got Buffalo across the board. Seattle across the board over the Rams, uh, Bucks across the board over the football team. So that will be the uh, first road win of the weekend. Uh, moving on to Sunday for, over the Titans, 
you've got a split decision for the following two games. Grant, you've got the Bears as the road winners over the Saints, whereas Jake, complete opposite, the Saints in a blowout over the Bears. And then on Sunday Night Football, you both agree it'll be a close game, but Grant, you've got the Browns notching their first playoff victory in decades. Um, and uh, you've got the, um, Jake, you've got the Steelers edging out the Browns 20 to 7 in a close matchup. And depending on seeding, depending on how things go, uh, the Ravens could either host, uh, no, reading this uh, closely. So the Ravens are the fifth seed. I'm just doing some quick triangulation. Should Cleveland win, uh, Cleveland would then theoretically, if the Ravens win, Cleveland would travel to play KC while the the Ravens would travel to play the Bills in this scenario. Or if the Colts were to the Bills, uh, the Colts would then travel to KC and the Ravens would host the Browns or travel to play the one or the depending on all these results. Ravens are going to host a second round playoff game. You heard it here first. <laughs> hey, I mean, I, I, I honestly don't care what happens because, I mean, I didn't expect anything out of this season. I don't think a lot of us did after the struggles of the first few weeks. I know there are a lot of expectations, but hey, one more quick footnote. I mean, the Ravens have not fared well with anniversary milestone seasons, whether it's the 10th anniversary in 2005, uh, um, whether it is the 20th anniversary season in uh, 2015, or now with the 25th anniversary season. I mean, hey, we're back in the postseason. I, I, I mean, this is, I did not expect playoffs at all just because of that curse, uh, not to mention the Madden cover curse. So if anything, Ravens have exceeded expectations in regards to superstition. So anything happens here, I'm happy. I mean, it is what it is. So, gentlemen, this has been a super-sized edition Super Wild Card Weekend. We are going to be back next week, potentially with a guest, to recap all the wild card action. Hopefully, we're not going to be drowning our sorrows while we're recording. And we'll be talking more Ravens playoff football, hopefully, for the following weekend. But if not, we're still going to be coming at you weekly with more coverage. Uh, we're going to be expanding on ideas in the offseason as well. So on behalf of Grant, Jake, Max Picado here, this has been the Zone 32 podcast presented to you by NutriZone Infraction. Follow us on Twitter at NZI Properties or online at NutriZoneInfraction.com. Gentlemen, take it away. See ya! There's the bear. There's the grizzly. Max, Grant, Jake. Zone 32. Only on NutriZoneInfraction.com. NZI Properties.